Welcome back to the Early Retirement Podcast, and you've noticed that there is no intro, and the reason for that is that I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and I found that I just skipped the first 30 seconds. So if this is new to you, um, first time listening to the podcast, great, welcome. I talk about all the strategies so that you can retire early, essentially navigating the nuances of an early retirement, a non-traditional retirement. But what I'm going to be doing from now on is just starting the episode. You want the information, I want to give it to you right away. And I just thought about doing this because when I listen to other podcasts, once again, I just clip that skip button, which not a bad thing, but just want you to get that information faster. So this is what I'm going to be doing from now on. Once again, I'm your host, Ari Taubleib, a financial planner, and I'm the vice president of Root Financial Partners. And today's episode is all about the numbers you need to know and not know when it comes to finances. And the reason I bring up these numbers is not that I don't want you to think about any other numbers. Those are important too. But so often we only have so much time. And so what I would rather have you focus on is what you should focus on, not focusing on all these things and all these articles and just stuff that is out there in the financial world that I don't think is super relevant. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Before I hop in, always like to say thank you to those who have submitted questions, those that have rated and reviewed the show, you really help more people retire early. And that's what I love doing. I want more people to know when they're in a position where work is now optional. Maybe you love what you do. And if that's you, great, keep working. But maybe you don't, or maybe you just want to know when you no longer need to. If you haven't checked out the YouTube channel already, I went around and I asked strangers about retirement. And specifically, I asked them, what can you do today that you couldn't do before because you had to work? And I got some great responses. Some people would say, Ari, I get to sleep in now, or I don't have to think about what's happening on Monday, or I get more time with grandchildren, or some people just honestly say, I get to drink more wine, and that's fine too. But I want you to know when you're able to do more of the things that you want to do. And so at the end of the day, if there's a question that you go, Ari, I've been dying to hear these types of responses from people when you go and ask them, great, let me know, submit a question. I'm always happy and I'm going to keep doing more of those YouTube videos. So if you haven't already, check out the YouTube page. Let's get into today's episode, which is all about the numbers you need to know. And these are the key numbers and the key things to think about. And at the end of the day, this is not a perfect science. This is personally what I think about when people say, Ari, what should I know when it comes to my finances and specifically retirement, but really applicable to all is number one, gross income. What does gross income mean? Quite simply, it's income before taxes are taken out. Just think about it like that. This is the number you need to understand when it comes to contribution limits. What if you make too much money for a Roth IRA? Wonderful. Do we need to do a backdoor Roth IRA? What does this mean for tax qualifications? What are different tax brackets? All these other areas, this is the key number here, the key metric, the gross income. It's the start of really starting to understand, okay, what is the main source of revenue? What's coming from where? Do I have rental income? Do I have pensions? And for you, once you're retired, the reason that this is important is that this is going to dictate a lot of things like IRMA surcharges. This is going to dictate, okay, great, do we qualify for subsidies? When it comes to specifically, what tax bracket am I going to be in? If I'm taking IRA distributions or 401k distributions, how does that impact tax planning? Ari, I've heard you talk about Roth conversions. I've heard you talk about different tax stuff, how does that impact it? Well, this is exactly what you want to think about. The next thing here is just essential expenses. And the reason I talk about that as a good number is no one knows exactly when they retire what they're going to spend. So don't feel you need to have that married, oh my gosh, I'm committing to 6000 a month or 8000 a month. It doesn't work like that. But what you do need to have is a general sense of what you want to spend. And I don't want you to do either of the following. And these stories I'm about to tell you are from clients, specifically one client 
told me that their father retired early in a sense did, and this was many years ago, where they did something a lot of people weren't doing, and they retired early, but then they were stingy in retirement in the sense of, oh, I'm going to second guess going out to eat, or you know what, I'm going to second guess when I go take that big trip, because I don't know how that's going to impact my ability to really not run out of money. And so what I want you to do is the opposite. I want you to retire early, but not just not second guess. That to me is not enough. I don't want you even triple guessing, if you if that's even a term here. I want you just not thinking about anything else where you're going, I need income. That's all I care about is how do I create more of that? And so specifically, once again, it comes down to what do you want to spend in retirement that would really make you happy, not just meet the bills. So for example, a client reached out and they go, all right, how do I think about projecting expenses? What you do quite simply is you go, great. There's no longer going to be a 401k contribution once you're retired. So it's not as if you need to fully replace what had come in before by your retirement income. And then people will say, okay, that's helpful, but now I need to think about my portfolio supplementing $60,000, $70,000. Well, it's not fully up to that because there's likely another income source. Maybe there's a pension that helps out. Maybe there's Social Security. Maybe there's inheritance. Maybe you don't want to plan on that. There are a ton of different things here, but what you want to think about are what are the essential expenses And then add on to that, what are discretionary expenses? Let's say you want to do excess travel. Maybe it's only the first few years of retirement. Maybe it's the go-go years, which you've heard me talk about before, which is great. What if I want to make sure I can spend $10,000 a year for the first 10 years? Great. You can do that. Just make sure we're factoring it into the plan. The next thing I like to bring up is a marginal tax rate. That is a very important number, especially with tax planning. This is where your highest level of income is taxed. You probably already know this, but I bring it up because understanding this helps you identify how is any more income going to be taxed. And my favorite example with this is I had someone reach out when when I first started planning and they said, Ari, I don't want to take on a bonus because I'm going to be paying more taxes. And it didn't really resonate with me because I couldn't understand at first glance why that was. And then I realized, well, they don't want to pay more taxes, but I reframed it. And I said, do you want more or less money? They go, more money. That's a dumb question, Ari. And the reason I reframed it is that's what the conversation was. When you are taking a bonus, yes, you're being taxed more, but it's because you're going to have a net positive, a net cash flow at the end of the day that's a positive number because you had more money. Did you pay more taxes? Well, that's what that marginal tax rate says. And so the what we like to think about, and I promise not to go too off gears here, but when it comes to tax planning, quite simply, if you're determining, should I do a Roth conversion or should I think about a conversion? Once again, that's when you move money from an IRA to a Roth IRA and the calculation, there's a more that goes into it, but high level is you say, am I in a low tax bracket today compared to where I'll be in the future? If so, think about it like eating vegetables. Would you rather eat vegetables today, maybe a small plate Or would you rather have to eat a ton of vegetables in the future? Now, you don't have to eat them today, but in the future, you're going to have to eat three or four or five plates. That's kind of like what a Roth conversion is, where what you get to think about is, great, almost when you hear Roth conversion, I want you to replace that word. It's a word that sounds fancy and confusing. Think about it like tax insurance. What if you could guarantee a rate today or guarantee a bracket? If you know you're in the 20, 25% tax bracket, call it in that range, maybe combining Fed and state there. Great. Would you rather lock that in or or pay 30, 40% in the future and now add on to that that your accounts are doing really well? You're investing and making a lot of money. Wonderful. But now your, your accounts are at this spot where it's a problem. Now it's a very good problem. A client reframed this with me, which 
is always helpful because I look at RMDs, required minimum distributions, and I, as a planner, think, great, how do I minimize taxes for my clients? But he brought up a great point, which is, Ari, it's a good problem. I want you to minimize my taxes, but this is a very good problem to the point of there are people who don't have RMDs that they are worried about where, no, that's what they're going to live on. That's going to fully support their lifestyle. And the majority, excuse me, of people that I work with, they have excessive RMDs and they want help limiting those so that they are not required to have to take out more than they need to and pay extra taxes on those. And they don't want their heirs to have to inherit that. And now they're paying 30, 40% taxes plus if they're doing really well. So always helpful reminder that yes, we want to limit RMDs. Yes, we want to do as good as we can. But once again, it's a very good problem to have. The next thing I want to talk about is net worth, which is something I think too many people put a ton of value on, which is, hey, my net worth is four or five million dollars. And I have one or two million in liquid assets. Because if you have four or five million dollars, that's your net worth. Wonderful. How much of that is what we call phantom money, which is if you have a $10 million home and you never want to rent it out and you know you want to live there for the rest of your life. Great. You have a $10 million home, but how good is that? If you're not going to take loans against it or you say, you know what, I'm not going to do anything with it. What value does it provide? Well, it provides a great backup plan in the sense of, hey, if you want to have to do anything, you can certainly sell the home after realizing you know, capital gains and what you're going to take home, and that can be wonderful. Maybe it's part of your legacy goal, and you go, Ari, that net worth is important because once my children inherit that, that's a real in- income source that they can rent out. Maybe they can inherit it. It's been part of the home in terms of when I say inherit it, they can just take it and live in it. You know, There are different things you can, of course, do, but that net worth number, that should never dictate whether you retire or not. That is one of the factors that I would say, if that's a number to not avoid, but almost say, hey, this is not some magic bullet number. It's great. It's fun to say I have a $1 million or $5 million net worth, but almost think of, hey, what amount of money is not phantom? What amount of money is real in the sense of you can use it? If you have 10 rental properties and your net worth minus mortgage is $10 million, great, but I've seen that where people still aren't in a position to retire because of they don't have a healthy cash flow. So no net worth is helpful, but not one of those things that I go, that is ultra important. One of the things I do view as ultra important is what is your effective tax rate? So not your marginal rate, but the rate that shows what is your overall tax rate look like once you factor every tax bracket together. Understanding this number will help you determine what your after-tax income really is going to look like once all those taxes are taken out. That is how you identify what we call your net income, a fancy way of saying what you're left over with after taxes. I think when it comes to tax planning, um, in fact, whoever designed the tax return is not winning any marketing awards in my book because they just make it unnecessarily confusing to the and it doesn't have to be when we show clients how we view tax returns we do it extremely simply i value simplicity and so when i show clients how i save them on taxes i don't just look at a normal tax return i show them the software we use and exactly how we interpret it differently another thing is this is not a core number but to me it's a core thing to think about which is time horizon one of the, the most important questions that, that I ask clients is, when do you need the money? Because if the market's doing something and it's not making you comfortable, I'll ask, when do you need the money? And they go, Ari, it's not comfortable right now. I go, I know, when do you need the money? They go, well, I need the money to support me for the next 30, 40 plus years. I go, prospect, I know that it's not comfortable right now. If it was fun, that would be weird. But I want you to know that we want to make sure we have enough on the side so during these times you are comfortable with enough outpacing inflation. So time horizon really applies to any Thing with money. Ask yourself, when do you need the money? Your emergency fund, how much of it needs to be a core emergency fund? How much should be growing? 
What is really the question to ask yourself is when do you need the money? Doing so will help you pinpoint what funds should be invested, what types of vehicles should own them, just to improve your overall efficiency and really minimize potential costs. Not costs in terms of fees, but costs in terms of opportunity costs of what could have that grown to had you invested that or thought about it differently. And then my number one least favorite number that I don't want you to think about is when people ask you, what is your risk tolerance on a scale of one to 10? You're probably thinking, I don't know, am I a four or a six or an eight? Or maybe it just depends on the day. I don't want you thinking about your yourself as a number in this case. To me, it just doesn't go deep enough. Now, a lot of questionnaires use it, and I see the value to it in the sense of it, get, it gives you a gauge, but I reframe to clients what risk is. Risk to me as a planner is you running out of money. That to me is a risk. The short-term ups and downs, that's not a risk. That's part of the, the way you build amazing wealth. Now that's simple. And you've probably heard that a million times. What I don't think you're going to hear all the time is how do we make sure that you are also comfortable? Because I might come back to you and show you an amazing projection. You're going to end up with three, four, five million dollars by investing this way. And if you say, Ari, I get it. The numbers make sense. It resonates. I've heard your podcast, but I don't care. I am not going to invest that way because I lose sleep at night. Then we're not investing that way because that is defeating the point of planning. It's not to say, how do we get the, the, the most dollars? It's how do we get the most life out of those dollars? So just want to almost reframe the way that you view that. Th- those are the core numbers there that I want you to think about. And what I don't want you to think about, of course, as well included there, tax rate, effective tax rate, marginal tax rate, essential expenses, gross income, discretionary expenses, net worth, um, time horizon, risk tolerance, savings rates. That's one I didn't touch on, which I don't want to go into a ton of detail on because I don't love the idea of make sure to save 10% or 15% because it depends on your income. So that savings rate number, great. These are all helpful rules of thumb, but knowing this number is not going to make or break your ability to retire. The example I share, which is a super basic one, and I know clients already know this and they're probably thinking, all right, I've heard this a million times, but it's an important one if you ask me, which is what is the value of your contributions? Maybe you're close to retirement and you're going, Ari, it's really hard to make those 401k contributions. Maxing those out, it hurts cash flow. Well, if that's you, I want you to re- I want you to remember this example, which is if you have $10,000 and you get a 10% return, you made $1,000. If you have 100000 and you make a 10% return, you made $10,000. If you had a million dollars and you got a 10% return, you made $100,000. And the reason I bring up the super basic example, as I've mentioned on my YouTube channel, is that once you've hit a certain point, once you've amassed a certain amount of wealth, it hits this point where it's just more valuable to be invested really intentionally than adding any more dollars. So if you say, you know what, cash flow is really tight. Should I bolster my emergency fund? Should I fund an emergency fund? Or should I fund a brokerage account? Should I invest those funds? Maybe live off of that income until I retire. Maybe that's more efficient especially with cash flow being where it is, I could see that being a huge value add as a lot of my clients who retire early do. So that is it for today's episode. A few numbers that have been helpful, a few numbers not to think about because I don't want you wasting your time. If this podcast has been even remotely helpful, I kindly ask that you leave it a five-star review either on Apple or Spotify or iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to this, it is extremely helpful so more people can retire early. 
I love what I get to do. I feel very lucky that I love what I get to do. And I want to do this for many, many years. A common reason that people reach out is they go, Ari, I have an amazing advisor, but he's close to retiring themselves. Or she's done a great job for me, but she's close to retiring. And I don't want to find a new advisor every few years. Well, I hope that that's not my only value add. But once again, I love what I get to do and I help people retire early. So if this is of any interest, you can see in the description below, there is a link where you can schedule a call with me and we can work through what makes most sense for your situation. If I can help, wonderful. If I can point you in the right direction, equally wonderful. That is it for today. Once again, I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Early Retirement Show. If you have a question that you want answered in a future episode, you can always go to my website, earlyretirementpodcast.com. That's earlyretirementpodcast.com. And you can go ahead and submit a question that I'll look to answer in a future episode. Thank you all for listening. Please do rate it, review it, and share it with someone who you think would benefit from this information. If there's anyone out there that you know, I certainly appreciate it. And I will see you all each week. Hey guys, it's me again. Please be smart about this. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as financial tax or legal advice. Consult with your tax preparer or financial advisor before taking any action. This podcast is for informational purposes only.